The programming on Relevant Radio is brought to you in part by the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota, offering undergraduate degrees along with scholarships for freshmen. More info at cubtomary.com. Prayer, not panic. We can do this. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. How much would this increase people's love of the Eucharist? You are not alone. It is good to be here with you today. Thank you for praying with me. I cannot tell you how much I love praying that chapel with you. I just feel God's presence so powerfully. This is such an anointed hour. And uh, I just want to thank you for letting me be part of your afternoon. Write to me when those answered prayers come in, because I know God is working in your life. I know there are good things in your future. I am convinced of it. I feel it. I pray for you every day. And God hears these prayers. He does not turn a deaf ear. Sometimes we have to be patient, as I said, but God brings good out of every situation. Uh, I thought, you know, we've been talking a lot about Fatima. This is that month of May, and and I think it's so important. We can't get to the Eucharist. You know, unfortunately, a lot of uh, churches are still closed. You may have to still attend, you know, on the computer, or you may have to go ahead and... um, you know, pray, uh, pray over to the television. But um, I thought uh, maybe we could talk just a little bit about about the Eucharist. And I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but um, there's a very strong Eucharistic theme out of Fatima. A lot of lessons uh, that come from Fatima, especially in this time of our Eucharistic uh, famine. Uh, you know, when when Saint Lucia, one of the Fatima seers, was in the hospital, she was dying. Uh, from the influenza pandemic. I mean, two of the seers succumbed to the pandemic of 1918 through 20. Um, it, it's complications and all the ailments that came. It was a rough death. Her cousin, Lucia, an, another seer, brought her a picture of the Blessed Sacrament. And um, when Jacinta saw this, she exclaimed, ah, oh, it's the hidden Jesus. I love him so much. If only I could receive him in church. She was so grieved. She was in so much angst over not being able to receive communion in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And I just love the love of that child. I mean, her her her, her cousin Francisco uh, would spend hours just before the tabernacle praying. These kids understood the beauty of the Eucharist. You know, other than the precious blood she received from the Fatima angel in 1916, she was never able to make her first Holy Communion. I always found that striking. And yet these kids had a deep, deep love for our Eucharistic Lord. And today with the public masses suspended, I think there are a lot of lessons that Fatima can teach us as you might be grieving your own Eucharistic famine. Uh, There was a great article written by, um, I forget his last name, Joseph uh, Pronishin, I think it was. I don't know whether he wrote it for Catholic Register or not. And he highlighted this point. I read it a couple days ago. And it, it has resonated with me ever since. I mean, our Lady of Fatima brought a vital lesson about the Eucharist. And who is Our Lady? She's the mother of the Eucharist, right? She's the uh, woman of the Eucharist. Um, yeah, John Paul II, that's what he called her. You know, he, He's, of course, the Fatima Pope. But um, John Paul said Mary is a woman of the Eucharist. And if the Church and the Eucharist are inseparably united, the same ought to be said of Mary and the Eucharist. So... Uh, maybe turn to her as well. Our, Our Lady made uh, the Eucharist such a major part of Lucia and Jacinta and Francisco's preparation 
when she first appeared. And, and, and for other me tell you, let me let me bring on. I'll, I'll let uh, Barb Ernster share this with you because uh, many many of you may know about the Great Miracle of the Sun. You may be you know slightly familiar with Fatima, but there was a big Eucharistic component to this, where an angel appeared to these seers back in 1916. Uh, and and there's a great prayer I want to teach you today that you can pray regarding the Eucharist. But if you look at this, there's always angels seem to precede a lot of Our Lady's apparitions. At least that's what I found in a number of them. And quite often there is a Eucharistic theme. You know, Sister Agnes Sasagawa's angel also came to her. And Sister uh, spoke of the true presence of our Lord in the Eucharist. That was the seer who had visions in the, in the 1970s. And I, I can give you a litany of these other seers, but uh, Barb joins me today, and uh, she is the World Apostle of Fatima. Uh, she's president of the World Apostle of Fatima for the Archdiocese of, uh, of St. Paul, Minneapolis. And Barb, it's always good to talk to you. Why don't you bring us back? You know, I, I just thought with this famine of the Eucharist so many are going through today, and this being the month which we dedicate not just to Our Lady, but really Fatima played such a prominent role. Over and over again, across my own radar and on my heart, I'm seeing this Eucharistic theme. Maybe you can expand on it, Chris. Well, thank you, Drew, for having us on today. I, I find that the uh, Fatima message has a lot to teach us about the Eucharist. And, you know, it's it's what leads the whole apparitions. It starts with the angel teaching them how to adore Jesus in the in the Eucharist. He teaches them these prayers on how to rightly worship God. And they're literally bowing down with their foreheads to the ground. And then he teaches these beautiful prayers called the angel prayer of, of adoration. And these children were so young. Lucia had received her first communion at a young age because she knew her catechism so well. But normally at that time in Fatima, children did not receive the Eucharist until they were 10 years old. So as you mentioned, Jacinta, she went to her death without receiving her first communion. Even She was even denied communion on the night of her death by the priest who thought she was going to live till morning. So her first communion and Francisco's was from that angel during the third apparition. And I find it interesting when they, when he gave them the precious blood, Lucia received the host, but the children, Jacinta and Francisco, received the chalice, so they received the precious blood. And as they were, after they had experienced this, they, they experienced God in them. And Lucia said, I'm going to quote, the awareness of the presence of God was so intense, it absorbed us and almost annihilated us completely. It seemed to deprive us of the use of our bodily senses for a great space of time. And she said their souls felt completely concentrated on God. Now, as they were leaving that apparition, they were, they were like woozy. They couldn't, it took them a couple of days to even recover from the angel. The supernatural aura was so great. And Francisco asked Lucia, what was it that the angel gave us? He didn't even know what, what was in the chalice. But it sparked in them such a great desire for Jesus in the Eucharist because now they knew what the hidden Jesus felt like. They had experienced him. So that set them on a course of of truly worshiping the Eucharist their entire lives without ever really having received him very often. So so let's go back. It was 1916, right, when the angel first Mm -hmm. appeared to them. And when he appeared, he identified himself, I'm assuming, as the angel of peace. And he was holding a chalice. He had a hose suspended in the air above it. And then drops of blood fell from the host into this chalice. And then he knelt and had the angels repeat a prayer. Uh, share that story. Share that experience. And this is a prayer I think we should all be reciting. 
Well, first he when he gives them when he holds the the chalice up, he's, he's he says, "Take and drink the body and blood of Jesus Christ." Horribly outraged by ungrateful men, yeah. repair their crimes and console your God. He had taught them a prayer at the, in the first apparition. He appeared to them three times. He taught them the prayer um, called the pardon prayer. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. But then in this third one, they they felt so compelled to, to pray this prayer. It's called the angel prayer. It's something I like to pray when I am, you know, during the consecration. And it's um, we have it up on our website, bluearmy.com slash Fatima Prayers. But it's almost Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I adore thee profoundly. I offer thee the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences by which he is offended. By the infinite merits of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I beg the conversion of poor sinners. And the children kept repeating this prayer. The angel was leading them. But that's a pretty difficult prayer to learn right, so right. for him for them to have remembered that and it's very similar to the chaplet of divine mercy prayer as yes. well which is very interesting as well uh, yeah i didn't make that connection before because we're invoking the body blood soul and divinity of jesus mm-hmm. yeah it's beautiful and, and it the fatima message was to do reparation i mean the angel just stressed you know make reparation do you know offer everything as a sacrifice so it's a little different in this prayer than when we're the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Um, this one has a little bit of a different focus, but it's the same offering of that Eucharistic well, Lord. I, I love it. We live in a time today when uh, we have really, I think, lost respect for the Eucharist. I mean, here's the angel coming to these these children saying, eat and drink you know, the body and the blood of, of Christ, who's so terribly outraged by the ingratitude of men. Make reparation for their crimes. Console your God. How often do we do that? I mean, I think so. people so often, St. Faustina recorded in her diary that people will, the Lord told her that they approach the Eucharist as though he's a dead object. There's this spirit of ingratitude. Mm-hmm. We should be longing for it. We should be offering it in reparation. We should be praying for it. There was a Pew Research study that was done last year and there was a poll that they took. And again, it's not news because we see these numbers come up over and over again. The poll research study revealed that 31% of Catholics believe in the Eucharist. I'm always stunned by that number. 31%, a third only believe in right. the Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ. The other 69%, they no longer believe that. So you can understand why the angel would, would invoke that prayer and why this prayer is needed more than ever today, Barb. Well, and I pray it a lot. I started praying it, like I said, during the consecration. I pray it twice as he's lifting the host, and then when they're lifting the the chalice, and it makes me feel like I truly am adoring Jesus. It does help help center your mind on the right things. And so these prayers are very helpful. The angel taught them for a reason. He wants us to say them. They're, They're to help us get the right disposition towards what it is we're doing when we go to communion, what it is we're doing when we go to Mass, what it is we do when we go to adoration, we kneel before that tabernacle, Say these prayers, and, and it'll raise your 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 yeah. um, your mind to a greater glory for God. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you can find those prayers at BlueArmy.com. Jake put a link up on our Facebook and our Twitter page as well. So it'll take you over to BlueArmy.com, and you'll be able to find those beautiful prayers. But, Barb, uh, as we talk about the Eucharist today, I know many will be deprived of it this, this coming weekend. Um, 
the five first Saturdays, this is another aspect of the fat of a de- devotion. I don't know if many people are familiar with it. It really emphasizes the power of Holy Communion when it's received in a state of grace. And you know, with the current mm-hmm. pandemic and this forced abstinence from, from communion, I, I, you know, I think it's a perfect time for all of us to do a spiritual reboot of, of our understanding what it means to, to receive the bread of the angels, the cup of salvation, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, you know, the God man, the savior of the world, the litany goes, mm-hmm. goes on. And yet we are so blinded and so disconnected to that expand if you could just for a moment a little bit on the on the first uh, of the five first Saturdays and the promises one can get if they if they embrace that well this is something our Lord himself asked for now if you remember in the in the June and July apparitions our lady starts to introduce the, the idea of you know the whole purpose of Fatima was to introduce this devotion to her immaculate heart and she said both times God wishes this to be established so when she um, had called for the first Saturday communions of reparation, that was part of the secret of Fatima. She would ask for this as our, as the lay people's response to um, helping bring about the conversion of Russia. Lucia always said the consecration that the church would do would bring about its change, but the the first Saturday devotion would help bring about that greater conversion that was needed. I mean, when people say Russia is not converted it's maybe because we haven't been doing our part. You know, the conversion's taking a longer time. But the first Saturday devotion was requested by our Lord to make reparation for the blasphemies that are committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And these blasphemies, in many ways, um, you know, it, it has to do with our Protestant brothers and sisters who don't believe in the um, in Mary's role in yeah. salvation history, um, you know, she's the mother of God. She's perpetually a virgin. She's uh, mother and um, virgin. She's, you know, people who desecrate her images, and we see that a lot at black masses and Satanists. They always want to desecrate the most pure mother, and because she is so beautiful and pure, and so, the, so we're supposed to make reparation for these blasphemies because they offend God. And these, the role of Mary is 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 the Holy Spirit's work in her. This is God's creature that He created. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit in her, her, you know, if we, her, her immaculate conception, um, you know, these are things that man, she could not have achieved that on her own. So these are sins against the Holy Spirit in a way, or they're, they offend God. So when we make reparation and we do these five for Saturdays, we're to go to communion and go to confession. So Our Lady wants us to be in a state of grace, you know, every month. This is a good, a good monthly practice to get into the practice of going to confession. Receive Holy Communion. This can be done at a first uh, Saturday night anticipatory Mass. If you can't get to Mass at all, you can offer your communion the next morning. Um, you're supposed to say five decades of the rosary, and then the most important is to spend 15 minutes with Our Lady and meditating with her. And I, I always say this is the part where Our Lady sits with you, and you really form an intimate bond with her Immaculate Heart, and then she starts to show you what does she want you to focus on in these mysteries of Christ's life. You might focus on one one decade through the whole 15 minutes and in no time at all it's over but to me that's where i always say it's the powerful part of the first saturday and she promises if you do five of these consecutively she'll promise to be with you at the time of your death with all the graces necessary for your salvation wow great promise unbelievable promise i love them um where where can you get more information i'm sure people are hearing and say hey how how can i do this Uh, do you have that up on your website as well yeah, it, for bluearmy.com, and just go under devotions, and you'll find all the information about 
the first Saturday, the Fatima prayers, That's other awesome. things like home enthronement, marrying consecration, those kinds of things. Well, great. Uh, Barb, stay with me. And I think the whole story of Fatima, the whole story of Fatima is also up there. If you want to read about the angel and all of each of the apparitions. There's so much to it. The fires of hell. I'm sure I'll talk about that in the days ahead as we get closer to those, uh, you know, anniversaries of those, some of those apparitions. But so much to get into. The third secret. John Paul II had deep love for the Fatima message. In fact, he released the third secret on May 13th in the, in the year 2000. And, um, of course, if you ever go to Fatima, you'll see the bullet that actually struck him. And he claims he was uh, divinely protected from death by mm-hmm. Our Lady. And uh, that bullet is, you know, it's so weird. It fits perfectly in, in the crown, you know, of, right. of, of Our Lady. I love that. It's such a great thing to see. Yeah. Let me take a short pause. I have to take a short break. When we come back, I'll take a few calls. I only have uh, the president of the World Apostle of Fatima here for another 10 minutes or so. If you have a question, a comment, you want some clarity, you want to share your, your own comments, I'll open the phones right now at 888-914-9149. Feel free to dial in, okay? 888-914-9149. I'll be right back. All the news and issues of the day. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. Get a 360-degree look at all the news and issues of the day right now. This is the Drew Mariani Show, getting you connected on Relevant Radio. Trying to give you a look at life you won't find anywhere else. Thanks for joining me. And, uh, boy, if you're new to the program, stay tuned. We're always looking at something uh, a little different today. I thought we'd take a look at uh, this Eucharistic famine that we're in. I, it makes me think of a scripture. I don't know what the scripture verse is. I think it's a, I think it's a prophet Amos where the Lord says, behold, days are coming and I'm going to send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor of, you know, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And in some respects, don't you feel that way? Yeah, you can still hear the words of the Lord, but we can't receive him. We can't receive him in body, blood, soul, and divinity. We can't receive the word of God incarnate. You know, you might say we are in a Eucharistic famine and Look, it's not the first time the church has gone through this. There have been many times in the past because of persecution or lack of priests or a different pandemic that people have not been able to receive the Eucharist regularly. Just think about what happened to the Catholics of Japan. They were evangelized in the 16th century. Then the emperor kicked out, right, all the missionaries out of the country before they had a chance really to build up the church there. A couple centuries later, Japan reopened. New missionary priests arrived. They started evangelizing. People started coming out of the woodwork, letting them know we were baptized by our parents. We've been catechized in secret for more than two centuries. They had not seen a priest in all that time. And there's other parts of the world. You have the Amazon. you got mission territories where priests aren't seen for months or years. So I know we have it hard here, but let's pray for those who have it even harder. And, and let's really appreciate what we can have right now, and that is the Eucharist. You know, the communists of the last century also wanted to keep the sacraments away from the people. And that was not just, you know, in Russia, but also in Portugal. It was actually something that was taking place at the time when Our Lady appeared in, in Fatima. And I'm joined today by Barbara Ernster. She's the president of the World Apostle of Fatima for the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. And we're talking just a little bit about this Eucharistic famine and this Eucharistic theme. There's so many lessons we can learn from Fatima and apply today. <clears throat> Barb sent me a PDF with a bunch of wonderful prayers. Jake has put a link up so you can find those 
online as well. We've got a few minutes. Before I jump back in the phones, one other aspect here I'd love you to talk about, something that I hope we can see in one another, and that is the presence of God. This is something I hardly ever hear talked about, Barbara. You, you had mentioned it not too long ago that um, one of the things the children were really able to achieve was really the vision of God in, in one another. Can you, can you share that? Yeah, it's interesting. The angel piece, when he gave them communion, they experienced God in them, and they were overwhelmed and woozy, and the, the supernatural was overwhelming. When Our Lady appeared in the June and July apparition, she would, or the first apparition, she would open her hands, and the light would radiate from her, and it would immerse them in this light. And the children would, they, they were immersed in God, so when they received the Eucharist, God was in them. But when they were in the light of Our Lady, they, they themselves were in God. And there was just such a different feeling. Lucia said that um, Our Lady made them feel light and joyful and peaceful and, you know, airy. You know, they were, she reflected this powerful God. But when they received God in them, it was almost too much for them. Wow. So Our Lady is, is, a, is a reflection of God. She was much easier for them to handle in a sense, you know, and, I mean, it makes you, but when, when they were immersed in God, Francisco just cried out aloud, what is God? He said we never could put it into words, and he was only 10. He he couldn't explain it. And so that should give us great hope for what's coming in the next life. I mean, we're we're suffering right now with this Eucharistic famine. The children achieved sainthood, and they themselves were in a Eucharistic famine. They longed to receive the hidden Jesus, and Jacinta never did. They were living during a time of persecution. The Freemasons were in charge of the government, and they were there was an anti-clerical attitude, and the priests were even afraid to talk about what was going on in Fatima during the apparitions and even after the apparitions. There was a lot of fear. Wow. And so our Lord breaks through all that. He really does. Well, I, I love what you share there because I really do believe uh, you know, that heaven will be that that eternal feast that they talk about. And you, you talk about what these seers experienced on this side of the veil after they received the Eucharist. So many great saints have had these Eucharistic ecstasies. Uh, it's really mm-hmm. food for thought for all of us to make sure we prepare for reception. Lord, many of the great saints not only did hours in preparation for reception, but even after they received the Eucharist, they would spend hours in Thanksgiving for the gift of the Eucharist. And Fatima is one of those great lessons. You know, I apologize everyone on hold. I don't think I have time to grab your calls. Um, Barbara, I only have a minute left. I want to give you the final thought here. And if there's anything you want to recommend to those who are listening that will be of benefit to them, please go ahead and do that. Well, right now I'm very pleased that our church and my local diocese, um, St. Charles Borromeo, has had 24-7 adoration going in the large part, of the main part of the church. So you can easily social distance. And I happen to love those middle-of-the-night holy hours, and so I'm down there alone. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's so peaceful, and I'm so grateful that we've had that. And I find myself even having trouble praying at home. I want to go down to the Eucharist, because we are being denied the Eucharist right now. But I do. I just want to encourage people, if you can get to the, the Eucharist and adoration, or even go sit in a church, I think things might be starting to open up soon. Make sure you're getting to confession, though. Our Lord really wants us to come to Him with clean consciences, and then we can really receive his grace and we can hear his voice. And I also say this is a time when we should stay close to Our Lady because she's going to protect us under her mantle. She's going to make sure that we are with Jesus and and um, he's waiting for us and we should be longing for him. I love it. Well, thank you. BlueArmy.com. Go check that out. You'll find great resources there. Learn more about Our Lady's apparitions if you don't know anything about them. They are meant still for our time. 
You'll find the great prayers. I posted them on our social media pages and uh, also a link. I'll be right back. Stay with me.